next song we'd like to sing. Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wells, and today, we, slash I, am going to be indulging our, myself, not only by breaking the apparent no Beatle content rule that this show supposedly started out with, but we're also going to be indulging in possibly the greatest what-if Beatles conversation of all time. And, as we all know, as reasonable adults, what-if conversations are hollow, vapid, and pandering. But by God, are they fun to speculate over as fans. 
Of course, we're going to be discussing a hypothetical timeline, an alternate reality, if you will, multiverse thingy-ma-bobba-doodle, where John Lennon wasn't gunned down on the 8th of December 1980, and instead the Beatles would indeed once again call themselves the Beatles, as they would be getting together for one or two of the biggest multi-continental charity concerts of all alternative time. Today we're going to be discussing the Beatles' 1981 reunion charity gigs. Just as a little prefix for this episode, the first five minutes of this episode's interview is a little bit crackly. Uh, I wasn't able to save it, I'm really sorry about that, but once you get past the first sort of five minutes, it goes. And I did say we, I did not want to be discussing such an incredible topic on my own. After several appearances on this podcast, his name... Uh, in the title should already be more than familiar with you, especially if you're a fan of Paul McCartney and Beatle podcasts. My guest today can be found on the wonderful Two Legs podcast and most recently on the Avengers of Beatles Media, aka the Talk More Talk video cast. His name is Tom Hunyady and he's here today to talk some hypothetical flim flam with us here today. Tom, welcome back to the show once again. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Well, hypothetically, I'm doing good, so we'll uh, see how this goes. I can't wait and looking forward to it. Well, if this doesn't go well, we'll always be able to do an episode where we can talk about an alternate history where this episode did go well. So there's always that. <laughs> Very good. I like it. I like it. So what's going on? Uh, not much, man. Um, I haven't been able to get a ticket to Glastonbury, so I've been pretty down, down about that. Uh, I'm having to find a spy to help go for me. I would love him to have a new set list, an entirely new, fresh set list for that show, but it's it's probably going to be whatever tour he's doing at that time, I suppose. Right, right. You know, I looked at the 2004 uh, Glassberry uh, set list, and uh, it's it's really not that far off from what he's doing now. So, yeah, I, I hope that he does give you, uh, give you guys some new songs. But I got a question for you. What's with you Brits and this legacy of paul if he does this glassberry show i i glastonbury I, I just don't get it i mean his legacy in my opinion is is very secure but you guys just seem to be going oh my god if he does this show he's done what the fuck well glastonbury used to be one of the the coolest venues in all of england and now it's become a bit like burning man say in the states a bit uh homogenized and a bit gentrified and you don't even get major rock acts appearing at at Glastonbury, you can have a headliner of Beyonce and Snoop Dogg now, so it doesn't okay. it doesn't have that prestige anymore. Maybe Paul will bring some of that back, but you know he, he's hardly the heaviest act on display. It'll be a great show. It'll be on TV here. The BBC will do some wonderful coverage of it as they do every year. I'll be looking forward to doing an episode on it for sure. Okay. I'm just going to have to make sure I uh, smuggle some HD cameras in there, really, with uh, a few of my <laughs> friends who are, who are going, fortunately. Okay. Though none of them would ever want to come on this show to uh, discuss it. I know that for a fact. That's <laughs> uh, <it's> too bad. <laughs> my first question for you, though, mate. It's a three-parter. Okay. Did you buy any of the Abbey Road Anniversary Editions? Are you going to be buying the Beatles Single Collection? And what is your plan to buy a copy of Home Tonight and In a Hurry? Okay, the the first two questions, yes and yes. I I bought the the big box set of Abbey Road mm. you know, with the, with the CDs. Don't really necessarily uh, need the vinyl. I'm very happy with the 2009 Abbey Road stereo vinyl, so I'll mm -hmm. be just sticking with that. The big singles box set, yes, um, it's in my possession. Amazon delivered it the day it, it uh, was officially released, and actually looking forward to finally listening to us 
to some of it after we get done with this wonderful discussion. And um, Record Store Day is something very special for my wife and I. Generally get in line at about 2 o'clock in the morning. We'll be doing that again uh, this Friday. And uh, yeah, I mean, with 12,000 copies, I don't think it's going to be any problem getting a copy of Home Tonight and In a Hurry. Well, there's only going to be 500 here in the UK, which is absolutely insane. My local record store doesn't even know how many copies it's going to be getting, if it's going to be getting any. So I will be there right. camping out early as well, though not 2 a.m. Right. I don't I don't think I might. I'm, <laughs> I might roll up about 8 a.m. Right. If that, with a, a warm right. coffee and a baguette in, in my hand, probably. Uh, I'll definitely right. be there taking it easy. If I don't get it, I'm not going to be missing out. You know, McCartney's already uploaded the song to his own YouTube channel and it, it's on streaming and all of that. Right. Yeah, there's also, uh, I'm also looking forward to picking up Rob Halford's other band called Fight that he did back in the 90s. I think this is a lesser lesser uh, print of copies. So, mm. um, you know, it's something my wife and I enjoy doing. So uh, it's it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I was actually quite shocked at how few of my local places were actually getting involved in it, really. Um, and I had to re- okay. I had to rely on my uh, local one in Birmingham. I mean, I was at the new HMV that was just opened in Birmingham as well, and they had okay. all of those Beatles anniversary editions there amongst their, frankly, impossibly huge vinyl collection. It was absolutely fantastic, but it was all premium cost. It was all brand new, so everything would be would be a, a, a you know equivalent of about fifty dollars. You know, it was a very expensive place, and those right those Abbey Road and uh, Sergeant Pepper and. White Album Anniversary Editions. Oh, the price tags on them. I, I didn't even want to physically touch them in case I knocked them over. There was there was a Rolling Stone one as well. That was that looked like about ten, like Abbey Road Anniversary Editions, all glued together. Right. It was absolutely, it was absolutely, you know, it was huge. It must have been about three hundred pounds, about six hundred dollars, something like that. It was it was incredible. Oh. I'm thinking, who's actually buying this? And then I thought, well. You know, Tom bought the the big the uh, big Egypt <laughs> Egypt station briefcase. So, right, right. There's suckers possible. out there like me that will do that. There's a sucker born every minute. You just happen to come along <laughs> at the right time. Yeah. So, is this your guys's record? I heard you guys only do it once. We see we do it twice here in the states. Um, is this your guys' official record store day? I barely even knew that, that there was a record store day here in the UK. I thought we just did the same day as the States, but when I did it, when I looked it up on Google, there's like, so in England, if you look up something like, say, oh, when's Father's Day or, or when's Mother's mm-hmm. Day, you, you might end up get, get, getting the American day instead. So I was like, oh, right. maybe Home Tonight and In a Hurry is not coming out for a while, but it is Bl- uh, Black Friday record store day this Friday coming up for me. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday okay. uh, at time of recording, and and yeah, I, I just I found out this was a thing. I'm not a big fan of the whole actual Black Friday thing. I'm just interested in getting some vinyl on the day it's right. released because I'm off that I'm off that morning, so it'll be a, a nice little McCartney adventure for me, or a you know a slip into capitalism. You know, falling for right. it, even though Paul in. I was listening to one of his Pipes of Peace interviews and he talks about how his job isn't just about shifting vinyl. And I kind of do hmm. feel like uh, this <laughs> home tonight in a hurry thing, along right. with the 50 different versions of Egypt Station that we've had now, <laughs> is like he's shifting vinyl. Right. I know you recently covered those two songs and by the time this episode comes out, I will have covered those two songs as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to mm-hmm. point people towards your specific episode in the links down below, but... Well, thank you. In, in summary, what were your thoughts on Home Tonight and In a Hurry? Did did you get down with those tracks? 
I yeah, I pretty much got down with them right away. Um, I didn't get the full effect until I got home uh, later from work. I did get slipped. Um, somebody I know slipped me the tracks a little early, so I was uh, able to, you know, listen to them on my phone. But it wasn't until I got home later that day where I got to listen to them on, you know, on headphones and really enjoyed what I was hearing. Um, home tonight, is, I just love the fast pace of it. I love that it's a constant thing. There's no breakdown for a solo or anything like that. I just love the constant, constantness of it. I'm, I'm glad he's bringing the horns back. You know, the bass playing on both tracks is is just superb. And in a hurry is, you know, I would have loved to have seen that replaced this, despite repeated warnings, maybe on on on, uh, on Egypt Station. Mm. But um, it's a very Beatlesque. I, I feel like he's merging what he's doing now and and his his past, you know, together, and and it's, he's making it very exciting. Very exciting music, and uh, I think both of these tracks um, really are going to show what he's gonna, capable of doing in the future. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, you know purchasing this on Friday and uh, really just enjoying these tracks for years to come. I felt like Home Tonight had a definite uh, tug of war feel to it. It it had a bit of mm, a, yeah. you know like you could have swapped Take It Away and Home Tonight, and I feel like they would have served the same kind of purpose right. on that point in the album. Yeah. Right. The only thing Home Tonight is missing is those backing vocals by Linda and Denny, I think, really. I mean, I think it's a very wingish-style song, and uh, man, what, what, how great it would have been to have you know, some, some backing vocals on that, which I think has been lacking in his uh, later years of his career. Yeah, just in general, actually. I haven't even thought about it in that way, but right. there really hasn't been a... Uh, someone to really compliment him in, in that way, but I mean, thank God he hasn't done one of those like awful uh, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett style albums where they where, where they sing the classics. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we had we, we had enough of that on uh, Kisses from the Bottom and Chobber. Absolutely, I know it's not yes. called Chobber. I know it's before before people start writing emails in. I know it's not called Chobber. <laughs> oh, I still very good. Yeah, I. I'm so you enjoy both tracks. Oh gosh, no! Oh, complete opposite. No. Um, uh, oh wow. Yeah, I know that um, I reacted very strongly when I first heard "Come On to Me" and I don't know. Right, you did. And, yeah, uh, I feel like because I've be- become so warm towards Egypt Station, and it's become one of my favourite Paul McCartney albums, and I really get it now. I do mm. feel very much let down by these two tracks, and I feel like, oh, this is a a, wow. si- a single release of tracks that were rightly cut from the sessions. See, I, I don't see it that way, you know. I, you know, myself personally, I think Paul is his own worst enemy when it comes to picking songs for his albums. I mean, look at how many great songs, maybe especially from the Red Rose Speedway sessions that mm-hmm. didn't make that album from off the ground. I mean, do you consider, you know, you know, Long Leather Coat and uh, Big Boys Bickering leftover tracks? I really don't. It just, I think he made bad, he's just making bad decisions when it comes to, you know, picking songs for his albums. I would agree so much as in something like Frank Sinatra's Party or Nothing for Free or even Get Enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a guy who right. loves Get Enough. So that's where people are going to start, you know, turning off this, this <laughs> podcast already. Tomatoes are coming your way. <laughs> um, but it is just a case of uh, opinion and taste here. But I felt of like course. these two were literally just the ones where I was like, oh, yeah, I get why these weren't on the main album. They didn't offer me anything particularly new. I felt like they were repeating sounds and themes and ideas that were on that first one. And okay. that's why I felt like Kirsten might have gone, look, Paul, we've kind of already done something like this, so maybe let's not do both and same again with In a Hurry. The other point I made on the episode, though, was um, 
I mean, pe- people have already paid good money now for the Traveler's Edition and the Deluxe Edition and the Explorer right. Edition, and it's like, come on now. I think I think we should have our full grasp on Egypt Station by now, and I think we're still going to have another. Are we going to have Libya Station and Chad Station? You know how how far is this going to going to go? Right. See, I think this might be it. Myself, I, I believe there was going to be like twenty five songs that were recorded for in the, in the sessions for this album. And if you break down the medley "Hunting You Down, Naked, and Sea Link" as their own songs, um, that's that gives you eighteen on the regular album. And then you get you know you get get started. And Nothing for free. That's twenty. You get twenty two with Frank Sinatra's Party and Sixty Second Street. You get uh, twenty three with Get Enough, and then now you get twenty five with these two songs. So I'm hoping that this is it for each station. Well, uh, what what are we going to have for the archive release in twenty years? There's going to be nothing left. It's just going to be all stuff we've heard before now, surely. Yeah, but you'll get all that wonderful video content that we didn't get. Yes, that they just haven't released for some reason. Oh, just right, just give right. us Bruce McMouse on DVD as well. Paul. <laughs> what's what's up with that? What's up with that? I don't even know why why that's why that's ex- existing that way. Speaking of weird things and how they're going to be released. Do you reckon we're going to have like Hard Day's Night and Rubber Soul anniversary editions, like just release them next year and call them 50th anniversaries maybe? I, I think that's the, the boldest way to, to go about it, just to retroactively just do it. Possibly, unless you, you, know, you take a little bit of a break, come right after um, uh, Let It Be, and then you just maybe wait until uh, you know, 2023 and then start releasing 60th anniversaries with these with these sets and then just, you know, bypass the 50th and just start going with 60th. Oh, wow. Really. Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. This music has been around for so long, it's really putting it into, into perspective now. I mean... Oh, Absolutely. Will I see the 100th anniversary of Please Please Me? I dread to think. <laughs> I dread to think. Well... Stay off all that starch, and I think you've got a chance, my friend. Oh, but I love those (laughs) hydrogenated fats and artificial colorings and flavorings. They're the best. (laughs) Right. Let's let's get on to the main concept of today's episode, though. And we're going to wax hypothetical for no greater purpose than just us being mahoosive Beatle fans. And the idea of the Fab Four getting back together is too exciting a prospect to, to simply not discuss. (laughs) <laughs> like, some people might talk about zombie survival plans, some people might fantasise about how they would spend a mass inheritance or something like that. Right. <laughs> but we're going to do the same, but mm-hmm. with the best band of all time. Have you ever done similar things like this? Have you pondered, for example, uh, a single disc version of the White Album? Have you come up with a, oh, of course. a 1971 album by stitching all the solo albums together, all that stuff? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think from the minute you, you become a fan of the White Album, you uh, you think about what it would be like to uh, you know bring it down t- to a single album. Um, back in ninety nine, two thousand, my uncle and I we did our you know seventy, seventy one, seventy two, seventy three, seventy four, seventy five, and nineteen eighty version of you know Beatles albums with the solo stuff. So yeah, I mean I've been all over that stuff. Yeah, I would love to see those lists. That would be very interesting indeed. Especially yeah. in the way that you might have to divide Lennon's stuff. Like, did you have to stretch a lot of his stuff out towards the end, or? Oh uh, no! I mean, nineteen eighty was was very easy. Um, we were actually able to stretch it to eighty one as well. Especially since uh, Milk and Honey didn't come out until you know until eighty what two was it? And but but those tracks were already recorded, so it was very easy to stretch it. That would be the Black Album. Wow, that really would be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, speaking of 
1981. We've had the chance to flesh out this idea a little bit beforehand. We've had a couple of weeks actually to to uh, work on what we're going to be discussing here. It's a very fun concept, the idea that, well, well, first, we're going to take advantage of, of the fact that we've got a transatlantic thing going on here. I'm going to be the British mm-hmm. guy, you're going to be the American guy, and we're going to come come together and explore a great what-if. What if John Lennon had not been murdered in 1980, and what if the Beatles, for whatever reason, had come back for a charity event or events? Um, I'd like to think of this episode, Tom, as a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure story. Like, right, yeah. You know, the audience could have one of these shows. They could just pick my one. They could just pick your one. The exact cause for the charity event could be anything you like. This could be Live Aid done early, Concert for Campuchia Part 2, uh, some some mm. in, entirely new reason, some cause. But the point is, is that the Beatles are going to be doing two concerts, one in, one in the US and one in the UK, covered by each of us respectively. Right. Do you feel like it would be a bit garish to say that the Beatles might do anything more than a couple of gigs? Like, is there any version of this story where you think the Beatles might have toured in the 80s? Or is that just fan service? No, I absolutely believe that with the success of these two shows, one in New York and one in London, that they do do a uh, embark on a 81-82 tour. Mm-hmm. So I do see this becoming more than just a couple shows. Very much so, yes. So you, so you see these shows going well. I like it. I like it. It's positive. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Though... Yeah, you know, I well, I see I see it as Lennon just puts out Double Fantasy in November of 80. And I think this, uh, this whole plan of them getting back together has already been forming early on in 1980. But I think before Lennon wants to do it, I think he wants to, you know, shake some of the rest off. I think he does do a small tour for Double Fantasy uh, early in 81, you know, just to, like I say, you know, get his vocals uh, back into shape and, yeah, and get the rust off. So it's, uh, I, I see it as an 81, 82 tour for sure. I think in the way that the story would be, always be more interesting, I reckon those uh, dub, those Double Fantasy gigs might not be well received. I reckon that would play into the narrative a bit and that might make these shows a little bit more triumphant. Right. Well, I, I can see that just because, you know, the material at that time wasn't as favorable. I mean, I don't think it was until he passed away that the album became a number one smash. But, you know, hypothetically now, now that he didn't pass away, I think he's just more or less doing these live tours just to uh, get in shape for a, a bigger one with uh, his three Liverpool lads. Maybe he even plays a song by a certain foursome from Liverpool, you know, that uh, gets a, Absolutely. a bit of buzz going. Absolutely. I reckon, though, if if I'm going to be fair... If we had to decide mm-hmm. where, if there was just going to be one gig, say if at the end of this we have to pick which one we prefer, which set list. If there was going to be one venue, I feel like more than likely it would be in the States. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, I think it would probably end up being Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That or maybe even, you know, take it to Shea to spoil, you know, some, uh, some fun uh, nostalgia for the nostalgia aspect of it. But uh, definitely, it would. I, I wholeheartedly believe it would be in New York, um, not to hopefully piss off all you guys in the UK. But, uh, it would, it, it, I just would, think it, it makes... would, it would, it would. Yeah, it, yeah, it would. <laughs> it just would. And, like, I reckon, well, wouldn't part of it be, like, you know, I, I don't think John would budge 
on not doing it in the States. And I think Paul would be interested in doing something massive in the States again after Wings oh, over, over, over America. Ringo would go along mm-hmm. with it and George would probably begrudgingly agree. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I've got some stipulations for the four for the four lads okay. uh, in order for them to do it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right on the money with that. I mean, with, with John so into it and enthused, uh, you know, Ringo will definitely just go along with it. <laughs> Whilst crafting both our set lists, I asked you and I to both stick to our own personal set of rules that would guide the song selection. This can be done either out of respect for your own internal logic, uh, mm-hmm. quasi what we know historically, quote unquote, or our own personal supp- suppositions. Obviously, there's going to be an element of our, our own biases here and incorporating favourites. We'll try not to do that as much as possible, but if you look at any of these shows, that's always what ends up happening consciously or subconsciously. Of course. There's also a certain list of classics and obvious inclusions that are hard to ignore as well. But, all that aside, Tom, would you kindly take us through your criteria and rules for building your 1981 reunion set list? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, <coughs> excuse me, you know, John's sitting at home for five years, you know, making bread and watching TV. And he discovers this uh, little uh, pay uh, station called HBO. Um, he's watching this and uh, enjoying it. And then I know that uh, throughout the 70s, they've been getting offer after offer after offer mm-hmm. to, to, uh, you know, to get back together. But it's not until 1980 when HBO offers um, the four lads $100 million <laughs> plus, yes, yes, plus 25% of all new subscribers. And on top of that, they get Pioneer involved that will distribute the Laserdisc, Beta, and VHS, while the Beatles get a percentage of all of that, which will probably end up making the deal closer to $500 million. (laughs) So um, I know they were offered more up front before, but with this deal, it it just uh, seems to make more sense to me that they'll take more on the back end than they will up front. So um, that being said, all four of them, do end up agreeing with with that, but there are some stipulations, like I said. Mm-hmm. One for John, no solo songs, all Beatles songs. Ooh, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't think John has wants anything to do with uh, George's, you know, too many chord songs, you know, and Paul's, you know, lushy, lush songs, as, as uh, he probably thought of his catalog throughout the 70s. George, he wants Ravi Shankar and Billy Preston to open the shows, which um, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. You love know, it. and and uh, you know, Billy, you know, he'll have a bigger role to play later on in the show. Paul, he wants uh, a new song for the for the show, so that will come later on. Uh, what uh, what will happen there? And like I said, um, you know, Ringo, he's just because everybody else is you know happy to be involved with it. He's obviously just there. To make the money, really. <laughs> but little does he know. But little does he know because of the state at the time. Jim Keltner is also there just to fill in in case anything goes wrong with Ringo. Maybe one too many drinks before the show. So I was about to ask you whether Ringo would be sober for this as well. Uh. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the thing. Is you know, I you know, it, it's he's playing on you know other people's albums. He's playing on his you know he's working on you know stop and smell the roses. You know, he's drumming there. He, so. He He's still drumming, but I think that they just want to do this just, you know, to be on the safe side. I mean, not to put Ringo down or anything, and it doesn't mean that Jim's going to even touch some drumsticks, but it's just that he's there just for, you know, support. 
I love that. I love all of them. Any specific stipulations about specific songs, or do you reckon the Beatles in your in your world are bringing a certain number each? Uh, is it being is it a set list being given to them? No, I think they generally play it safe here. It's you know if you have the red album, if you have the blue album, it's going to be a lot of that. I think they don't step too far outside of their comfort zone by playing you know a lot of the stuff from Sgt. Pepper and or, you know, Abbey Road. I think they just stick to the to the basic, you know, rock and roll or they get back to their roots, if you will, <laughs> and just stick with the uh, classics that everybody knows and loves. And this is probably going to be the biggest television event in history, isn't it? Oh, my oh, absolutely. God. Absolutely. HBO will, will, will air the show. They'll have the rights to the show for two years. So that means for two years, the Beatles will be getting 25% of all new subscribers. And, and then once you know those two years are up, are, are up the Beatles will retain the rights to that live show. And they'll be able to do whatever they want with it. And, uh, you know, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of money to be made. Neil Aspinall will be the tour manager for this for this tour. Uh, fortunately, you know, hypothetical world, Mel still is dead since he died in, what was it, 77, I think yes. it was. So he'll still be uh, six feet under, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think you know this is the makings of a really good show. And how I have it, as I have it, is a first set and a second set. So they'll take a little break. You know, for, they'll probably take a, like a half hour, forty-five minute break in between the two sets. On average, they what average like eleven to twelve songs, I believe, back in sixty-four, sixty-five, sixty-six mm-hmm. when they toured. So I'm thinking times have changed, so longer shows. So I'm thinking right around, you know, 33, 34 songs. Similar, similar to mine, yeah. I've got around that number as well. I mean, the whole scope of the live rock act has changed completely since they last did anything together. The the rooftop concert notwithstanding, but yeah, it would have to be something completely different. It wouldn't be like any Beatles show we'd probably seen before. That would probably, right. that would probably, no, it would, it would probably be, be quite risky. Actually, I reckon a, a lot, a lot, a lot of diehard fans wouldn't wouldn't like it at all. Are, are there going to be any rearrangements? Uh, are you going to be bringing a brass band on stage? Um, you know, I thought about the. You know, another stipulation for Paul is is he was going to probably want his horn section. Howie Casey from yeah. from. Wings. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they bring them because, you know, there will be some songs that will feature, you know, the horns on them. So it's definitely probably going to happen. Um, and then also, like I said, Billy Preston's going to be there. So you better believe that he'll show up later on in the show as well. Howie Casey was also one of my stipulations as, as well. So that's that's a, a, n- oh, okay. a nice bit of collusion there. I like that a lot. Well, before uh, before I do the set list, I mean, what about how is yours set up? So my one, I couldn't come up with one. There's a, a great Simpsons re- uh, m- moment when these uh, corporate types are trying to come up with a new holiday, and they're like, "Come up with something called Love Day, but not so lame." And then, okay, <laughs> smash cut to the Simpsons celebrating Love Day. But my my mm-hmm. idea was the Beatles coming up with a brand new like holiday or event that would be about world peace something about that would bring mm. back that 60s vibe and you know putting it at the start of the of the 80s in a bright friendly technical way this isn't going to be the decade of doom and gloom and decadence and uh, financial gain and and ruin for some people this is going to be a nice optimistic 80s i thought with you know lennon's not dead and we've got a bright future ahead we haven't had to hear here today though Right. The way I see this happening, it's it's definitely more 
each of the Beatles both all wanting to do it, but all kind of thinking that the others don't want to. So like yours, each one's going to kind of get something just to at least grease it up a little bit. Um, right. I, I mostly see it, though, being spearheaded by John. And it's all about keeping mm-hmm. keeping John involved and keeping him happy. The first thing that came to my, my mind immediately though, was that John is going to want this to be a rock concert, and these are all going to be mostly Absolutely. rock songs. We're not going to get mm-hmm. outside of Paul many ballads at all. This is going to be John trying to keep up with the contemporaries. You know, like that terrible rock and roll album. It's going to have that same kind of intent, except with a much better cover, right. hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see, like, the first half is, you know, like they used to describe Abbey Road. You know, first half was to please John, you know, second half of the show is going to be more or less to please Paul. Because, let's face it, I mean, look at all these great John lead vocal songs from the first half of the Beatles, Mm -hmm. you know. And no one can deny that, I, you know, that the Paul, I think, had the better lead vocals in the second half of the Beatles. So um, I definitely see that happening for this show. It's going to be, you know, John heavy, you know, during the first half and it'll be Paul heavy in the second half. I think Paul doesn't mind waiting it out there. Right. And definitely a lot a lot of his songs, as we know, just from what we know contemporarily now, is that a lot of his songs are great closers as well. Right. Uh, I mean, he'll definitely have his, you know, moment during the first half, but it won't be, it'll be nothing like, you know, the second half. So. The majority of my tracks are going to be from what I call the Technicolor Beatles era. So mostly going to be mm. from Revolver onwards. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I've got the exact opposite hit, the feeling here. I think John would be like, right, lads, if we are going to do a show, let's do a show of all the songs that we never got to perform live as the Beatles. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be us catching up from what we've missed out since 66. And in in my head, this is just a supposition, but I feel like they would be more interested in playing the songs later on in their discography, in their catalogue, and maybe they'd be reluctant to go back to the black and white suits and doing She Loves You. So I feel like songs from the White Album, Abbey Road era would be stuff that they'd be, I don't know, I guess they'd just feel a little cooler doing that stuff. And that would hold up better. Perhaps they'd be afraid that modern audiences would feel that a lot of the Love Me Do, She Loves You stuff might be a bit tame. So I I do think they'd they'd definitely stay away from that. Yeah, I I disagree, but but that's okay. (laughs) You know, I think John at that point is still somewhat of a lazy person. You know, I don't think he's going to want to put that effort into, you know, relearning all of these, you know, songs that they never did live. I think he's, I think it's going to be more of a comfort thing for mm. him. Um, I think he, he has gone off to say that, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, if, if they were to do a tour, that, yeah, he was all ready to, you know, do the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And uh, I think he's still in that mindset for this hypothetical. I guess the, the difference between yours and my list might be how much nostalgia plays into it then. I've been, that this, this will be very interesting to uh, compare and contrast at the end. Yeah. The first four songs in this gig is going to have to feature each one of the Beatles on a solo lead vocal performance. Okay. I think, I think that's almost a given. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously no prizes for guessing who's being last in this four-pole run. <laughs> but the first three were very hard for me to finalise and... I'll go into that when I go through the set list specifically. Okay. Gotcha. After the first set of songs, there's going to be a middle segment where they're each going to play one of their solo hits. Oh, wow. Exact opposite again. Uh, this might be a bit pandering, both to us as solo Beatle podcasters, but mm-hmm. I think it would be 
poetic for them just to have a little nod that they have been off doing other things since they were last together, and it's all going to be one of their prime numbers, you know, just to just to really mm-hmm. sell it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like John would be happy showing that you know he did stuff after the Beatles, and I think it's very easy to tell what song John's gonna gonna be doing for his solo one, and it's probably gonna bring down the house when he does it. Mm, okay. McCartney himself, though, he's gonna have to play all the obligatory McCartney numbers. His was the most mm. predictable and easy one to do, better or worse. Obviously, again. <laughs> the, it's going to be affected by what we know now about his set lists, but there's, mm-hmm. the, there's not going to be any curveballs in terms of Paul songs, I don't think. He's going to want to give the audience what they want, even if John and George might want to do something a bit more esoteric. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ringo is also going to get a fairer representation than on any previous tour. Mm. It's not just going to be one track. I'm going to try and get him to sing as often as I can. It's the Fab Four, not the Fab Three and one Ringo song. And okay. I think that will help justify his 25 million as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, see, I do have uh, Ringo singing a couple songs as well. And yeah, George will be, uh, you know, getting more than his usual two cuts per record here on this show. And, uh, and maybe a little surprise as well. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So then my last two, uh, there's going to be a little encore. That's going to be a very standard affair. No surprises mm-hmm. there. But then, uh, I kind of wanted to keep this a surprise to the end, but there's going to be a second encore that's going to be pure wanky fan service, and it's going to be made up of old rock and roll covers. Mm, okay. So, like, stuff from, like, pre-Beatles days. Oh, and so kind of like a medley, maybe? Pretty much, yeah. It's going to be very john influenced. It's going to be very rock and roll. Perhaps even the show itself might be called Rock and Roll. Who knows? Mm. One last thing I wanted to bring up before we jump into the set lists. Is this going to be a documentary and an album and a TV show? Are they going to be three separate things? Or is the the documentary maybe going to be worked into the live performance and then released at a later date? Like, how, right. how, how much media do you see coming out of this? Uh, well, this is the event of the century, really. <laughs> you know, the, the coming together of the greatest band, you know... The reuniting of the greatest band of all time. This is definitely going to be well documented. Uh, like you say, documentary, film, album. It's it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be mass produced. It won't be rare at all. You know, it's going to be. They're going to be a dime. They're going to be a dime a dozen. You know, people are going to be finding them in the you know in the dollar bins. You know, four or five years down the line. So it's it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be worldwide. It's going to be just a mass event they're going to make as much money on this as possible there might even be you know a colored vinyl a black vinyl a uh, deluxe set you know it's going to be uh it, they're going to squeeze every cent out of out of us as they can let's say definitely definitely yeah and without any further ado take me through your set list dude all right well my first set um here we you go. Know, they all... drum roll yeah here we go the curtains up the crowd's going mad. Oh, oh, um, who's who, who's introducing them? Who's introducing them on stage? There Ladies. is going to be no introduction. You're just going to hear one chord, and then they're going to the curtain's going to drop, and then they're going to bust into a hard day's night, and everybody's going to go crazy after Bam. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no introductions needed. They go right into. I saw her standing there. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't buy me love. 
John's going to do his best rendition of Twist and Shout, which won't get better until 1982 <laughs> after the second leg of the tour, until his voice really starts getting back into shape. You yeah. love that detail. Yeah. yeah. Then they're going to go into uh, Don't Bother Me. George will get his first song in there. After John gets a chance to rest his voice, they're going to uh, go into This Boy. Then we'll see Ringo for the first time with I Want to Be Your Man. Then they'll get into um, Help. They're definitely going to do Yesterday. I don't see them doing this tour without doing that song. So Yesterday mm -hmm. will be there. Ticket to Ride. We can work it out. George will uh, shine here on these next two songs. He's going to do uh, Taxman. And then, as the surprise, George will grab a sitar, and then they will do Norwegian Wood. Mm. Oh, and, they're going to go crazy for that. They're yes. going to go insane. Oh, my yes. God. They'll do Day Tripper, and then... I had a similar idea with a medley, and they'll end the first step. Uh, they'll end the first set list with a medley of "Love Me Do" from "Me to You," "She Loves You," and "I Want to Hold Your Hand." So that's my my first set list. Or Good set heavens! I yeah. Oh, that is absolutely so, incredible. So yeah, so they are playing it a little bit safe, but they are doing a little, a few surprises just because you know one, you know. Um, they do want to, you know, experiment a little bit. I, th I think you're, you know, I, I could have gone a little bit more on the fact that, you know, let's let's do some stuff that we've never done live before, you know, like your idea was. But I just, I, they're, I, I really believe they they would play it safe on this tour. Yeah, I really do. This um, this would be such so, a, a nostalgic, like, uh, especially for yeah. the American show as well. You could imagine exactly. the the same kind of Beatlemania erupting. That that, right. that that same Ed Sullivan mania, you know. I could mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't bother me is an interesting one. I like I like that one a lot. Like I could I could see a lot of deep cut fans going, "Oh, okay, this this isn't going to be yeah. just just all for the uh, for the regular average Joe." Norwegian mm -hmm. would just bring the house down, though. I love that choice. Oh, I love that, I have, I love that uh, choice yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a great. Uh... A great hit with the fans. Um, you know, half hour, forty-five minutes later, they come. They come back out and they they start with Sergeant Peppers, and then they work into uh, with a little help for Ringo. Um, and then it's um, and then I, you know, then you're going to see a lot of Paul here. Um, they'll definitely get into Hello Goodbye. You know, John will will bring out All You Need Is Love, and that's where the horns will come in. George will bring out While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And since the first two shows will be New York and London, Clapton will come out and do the guitar solo. Then they'll bust into Revolution. And then uh, Paul will do his piano thing with Lady Madonna and Hey Jude. Here Comes the Sun will be next. Then Come Together, followed by Something and Let It Be. And then uh, they'll bring Billy Preston out. And then they'll get into uh, Don't Let Me Down and Get Back. Um, Paul will end the show with Long and Winding Road. They'll get off, and then as for their encore, as per Paul's stipulation of a new song, they will do Free as a Bird. Oh, well done. Oh, oh I was so on edge for what that was going to be, but it all makes sense, of course. Right. I think uh, John will uh, dust this one off and present it to the four, or I mean to the three, and they'll, they'll work on that song then and there. And the I, premiere is... What? You mean they're not going to dust off circles? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We're on the road to Rishi Cash either. No, none of that. Friends come and love go. Oh, come on, Drew. Put a, put a bit of effort into it, mate. Come on. 
Right. So yeah, it is it is safe, but I really believe that's what they would do. They would play it safe for the nostalgia aspect of it. They'll play everything that people for the casual fan as well will know and um it'll make it tv friendly as well and uh it will go nuts i mean they're gonna they'll probably end up making a billion dollars after you know everything is said and done do you reckon any songs will get cut for the for the for the tv version or is it going to be the whole thing i reckon it would be the whole thing um mm. they're just going to air it live um it's not going to be a uh a wait and see when they when they air it no they're going to air it live uh for the first show so I've always liked it when there'll be a live album and then mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have the the movie of the live album and that might have something that's not on the album and then you'll have like the deep cuts. Oh, okay. like, I, I do like a slight difference, so I'll probably have a one or two song difference between both versions. So kind of like an Egypt Station thing. Definitely. And um, <laughs> if if we pick, you know, if we say we, we had to pick either yours or mine for both gigs and, and they did the same set list, mm-hmm. I'd still like a one or two song variation. Either way, you just okay. so you so you could even release a, a separate UK version as well. You could even do two albums. Let's get two billion out of this. Come on. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, like I said, they'll definitely squeeze every penny out of us that they can. And uh, you know, if they do that, then then fine. I mean, there there'll be a lot of people out there that will want every version of this. Um, you know, people that aren't going to shows, they'll be ordering HBO to so they can so you know so they can watch it. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be the event of uh, the century, for sure. As, as long as this show doesn't upset the creation of The Sopranos, I'm fine with that. As long as it doesn't upset, <laughs> okay. you know, as long as the butterfly effect isn't that drastic. Uh. The, all This whole event will be, able, will be able for them to afford The Sopranos earlier. <laughs> they won't have to wait so long. <laughs> They'll have a version of the Sopranos back in in '88 rather than in uh, you know '99 or whenever it was when it first premiered. With uh, I don't know, I'm thinking like Jim Belushi as Tony Soprano. You know, it's uh, every, every, beautiful. Everything's different now. Everything's different. Exactly. Exactly. One uh, quick one before I go on to my set. How does this show affect their solo careers after? You know, that's a good question. Thought about that as well. You know, it's 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 back to their solo careers. Uh, John goes back and finishes the song for for Milk and Honey. Paul finishes uh, Tug of War. George, you know, maybe takes a couple years off and you know still does Cloud Nine. Um, you know, Ringo maybe you know they help him again. Maybe this helps rejuvenate his solo career. Um, and all three of them, you know, give him some some songs that people will will enjoy. So I think it's it'll be business as usual for the solo career. And but I still think that uh, the anthology happens. Um, and in and in this case, we will get a true collaboration between. Uh, John and Paul, we will get a a real new Beatles song, not something that John has uh, in his closet, and um, I think that's when we'll get another tour for from the from the four lads. Oh, so there'll be a tour in in the in Nine the. In, oh wow! Oh, and you'd, oh, and you'd get the interviews with John as well, which would make the uh, exactly anthologies all the more complete as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So much would be different. So much would be different. You can even do a two and a snort part two with Stevie. We can even get that going. <laughs> I like it. Let's I have like another it. six versions of Stand By Me. Come on. Come on. Right, right, right. <laughs> Is that the most it. disappointing release in Beatles history? I think it might be. I think it might be. Oh, two and a start? Yeah. Yeah, just a tease. A drunken, oh. drug and 
influenced uh, tease. Those naughty boys. But they they would redeem it for us with our UK set list. This would be in Wembley, mm-hmm. this be in Wembley Stadium. Okay. This is going to be before Queen makes it iconic with the... You know, all of that rubbish that we saw in Bohemian Rhapsody. Nice. This is going to be right. the, the Beatles possibly even even having the stadium like renovated specifically just, just to, you know, in, house the obvious right. increased capacity. How many, uh, yeah, how many, how many people does Wembley hold? Wembley holds 90,000 people, so that is almost exactly what you were about to guess, I think, I think just there. So there's right. 90,000 people at this gig, probably 91,000 with security leaks and stuff like that. But right. I see Monty Python as the opening act. Cool. Monty Python, and they do something like uh, See Out of My Face, Tell Me That You Love Me, or the Lumberjack song, something like that. Mostly just because I want Eric Idle to be the one who introduces the Beatles live again. I think just the joke itself would be would be more than enough to uh, to win over the hearts of the British public. Maybe it might even save handmade films as well in this alternative universe. Who knows? For me, right. though, we are going to open with "Here Comes the Sun." It's just going to be silence, ah. and you're just going to hear that. Do 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 do. Okay. And George has to go first here. I think that's key in getting George interested. If you give George the opening song, he's going to be a little more in, in, enthused about coming out, you know, guns blazing, rather than, say, being mm-hmm. being a back a backwards presence, which I really don't want. Then we're going to go straight into the next person who needed to have second song. He couldn't be third here. John is going to have Come Together from Abbey Road, mm. and the crowd right. is just going to absolutely lose it. I was considering coming, uh, having Come Together be the opening song. I thought, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought that was possibly a little bit too obvious. Um, I think a lot, a lot of people in their heads would probably imagine them coming on to come together just because it was like the last big right. kind of rocker they did. Mm-hmm. I'm having it here just to kind of, you know, we've had a, a soft little intro there and now we're going to get into heavier stuff. Paul is going to have the third one. He's going to basically do the Wings live version of Got to Get You Into My Life. Uh, Paul's going to cool. have a lot of interest in that number. He's been performing it very, very recently, of course. Yep. Perhaps Wind dissolved even earlier at this point as well. Maybe it, 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 it even kept Wings together. Who knows? You know, maybe Wings ca- carried on through through the eighties because uh, uh, you know Paul's continued success in music, perhaps. Then, track number four, we're going to have Octopus's Garden, Ringo's first number. I can't believe this never got to be done by the Beatles, just because I know that it would it, it would be done so well by them live. I think the, uh, mm-hmm. the harmonies would be so magical there. Then we're going to have Back in the USSR from Paul. We're going to have Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, John had recent uh, success with that with Elton John in the uh, 70s yep. as, as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much going to be that arrangement. Like yourself, I'm going to bring on Eric Clapton to do While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Everyone's right just going to lose it at that, of course, as well. One yep. of the few quieter moments, we're going to have Blackbird as our eighth track. Uh, Paul's going to bring right. it right back down. Of course, he has to do Blackbird, though, at some point, so we may as well do it now. Then we're going to pick things back up. Billy Preston's going to come on stage, and we're going to have Don't Let Me Down. Nice. Oh, you have to, you have to. Yeah, you have to bring him out. Is Yoko going to come on stage at some point? She's going to have to. P- perhaps I, Perhaps John bring, brings her on for this one. Don't let me down. <laughs> Don't let me out. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I could definitely see her coming on for something. 
Right. Yeah. Unlike you, I, I think that will be a stipulation in my hypothetical world that, you know, Yoko does not go on stage for this. Oh, no. I've got Linda singing Hey Jude later on. So. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a family affair oh, then, yeah. huh? Like, you've got Jim, Jim Keltner on drums. I've definitely got Denny Lane on backing guitar and backing vocals if he's, if he's needed as well. I think that would be. Fair enough. I think that I, I, I think that'd be borderline accepted. Uh, okay. Hey, uh, uh, Ringo, we're gonna have Steve Holly on drums. Is that is that all right? Is that is that all right? <laughs> yeah. Um, then we're gonna keep on with the Lady Back stuff. We're gonna have Get Back straight onto Yellow Submarine for Ringo. It's gonna be one of the few mm-hmm. Revolver tracks that goes back earlier for this for this section. But Society wouldn't allow Ringo not to do. Yellow Submarine for this gig. I can imagine the whole crowd just going absolutely ballistic and singing along and swaying back and forth. And this is when Ringo will stop singing and stick out his mic into the crowd, and you just hear Ringo <laughs> And being you don't at- think uh, you oh, don't think there's a chance he'll uh, say what's my name during this show? <laughs> oh no, it's Ringo. I know, I know it is. I know it is. We're not, no. we're not, we're not going to have any, any of any of that nonsense. <laughs> then <laughs> John is going to give us a little reference to the Toronto show with Yeah Blues. Mm. I think John would do okay. Yeah Blues. I think that'd be definitely a song that'd be quite subversive for him for him to bring back. And he's still keeping up the edge. He's trying to make this a, a proper rock show. So does 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 Clapton come back out for that? Oh, I haven't written that down, but good idea, Tom. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. I'm going to write that down now. Clickety clackety clickety clack. Uh, yeah, Clapton will come will come back on for that. If not, just stay in the in the background under dim lights mm-hmm. throughout the entire time. You know, like the the, uh, the concert for George or the concert for Linda, where it's just a stage full of people. I could definitely see this being being like that, and people just come and go in songs whenever they're needed. You know. Gotcha. Fair enough. It, you know, Klaus Klaus Vorman's probably going to be there. He'll be there, but I don't think he would perform. Now he's going to do the bass for Silly Love Songs or something crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Klaus is coming. Hide the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's going to ruin John's uh, edge with Lady Madonna. He's just going to mm-hmm. come back out. It's it's another Wings Over America reference, of course. You know the crowd are going to eat that shit up. George is going to come back on then with something. He's going to mm-hmm. just absolutely bring the place to a standstill. Am I going to have Frank Sinatra come out and sing a verse from <laughs> it? <laughs> you know, okay. Maybe Frank Sinatra Jr. Who knows uh, at this point? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then maybe we'll have, do a rendition of Suicide, maybe. Yeah, and we'll have Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, and it'll be beautiful. Right. <laughs> but yeah, George, George is going to come out with something. He's going to have to do that one, personally, I feel. I was quite limited in my selection with George ones. I was thinking, am I going to put Piggies or Long, Long, Long or For You Blue or you know, Old Brown mm-hmm. Shoe? In it? And I couldn't do it. Old Brown Shoe was... I was tempted to do a bit of Old Brown Shoe, say, if I was going to take out a Paul song. But this is still a rock and roll gig, and in the only instance of me possibly being a super, super nerdy fan here, I am going to say song number 15 is Hey Bulldog. They're going to do it. They're they're going to actually go and do Hey Bulldog and do it live. George is going to absolutely shred the solo as well. No Eric Clapton here. 
and they're going to do it. They're going to actually fucking do Hey Bulldog, and it's going to be one of the standout tracks from the album, and it might possibly even be the single, just because nice. it's, it's going to be so out there and so on the nose. But I like it. To close out the set, though, the official set, Paul's going to play Let It Be. Mm, okay. In a, a bit of a mirror of you doing The Long and Winding Road, you know, it, it, it was going to mm-hmm. be one of, one of those two songs. I did love, though, how your set was quite chronological, though. I, I, I thought that was very interesting conceptually. Then, mm-hmm. there's, then there's going to be a couple of minute break, you know, they're going to sniff some coke and drink some water. <laughs> So then we're going to come back. The uh, the band have wiped their noses clean. We're not going to have one of those Neil Young Coke rocks for Scorsese to have to edit out. It's going to be a bit more professional than that, though Ringo's probably a, a little wide-eyed at this point, to say the least. <laughs> yes, to... I think this is where uh, Keltner will come in handy, second yes. half of the show. Yes, definitely. We don't have to worry about Jimmy, Jimmy McCulloch coming coming on late because his nose is buried in the pile or anything they're, right. they're back on stage they're on time and they're gonna open and close this solo set with the two big singles we're gonna open mm. once again with the george song we, we're gonna keep george happy with my mm-hmm. sweet lord it has to be uh, my uh. sweet lord doesn't it yeah and it's okay. still it's still a huge radio hit here in the in in the uk now because it's that perfect element of like it's religious, but not not like it's not hitting you over the head with it. So everyone can right. kind of relate relate to it in a, a certain way. Perhaps I mean, if there was going to be a single from this from this album based on one of the solo performances, I think I'd probably pick My Sweet Lord mm, out, of, out, of, out of that one as well. So I don't think that would happen. There would there would, there would probably be a second single of one of one of the Beatles songs, probably. It would uh, the the B side would probably be Yellow Submarine and then it, oh, maybe oh gosh so many of them have already been singles though so it's quite it's yeah you can't not, you can't not really do got to get you into my life because they uh, they had released it as a single in '76 as well yeah maybe one of the other songs that I'm going to get to shortly perhaps okay, fair enough oh no actually just skimming over them now they were they, they were all singles as well so it's just going to be Hey Bulldog with with the B side of Yellow Sum- Submarine here um what okay. what what's your single gonna gonna be actually before I go on to my second song. Oh, that's a that's a great question. I, I think it, it'll end up being "Free as a Bird," uh, and they, they would they would back it up with the uh, with the uh, the early the early medley of "Love Me Do" for me to use. She loves you, and I want to hold your hand. Great B side. I, I, I that would be another uh, yeah another song where I would prefer the B side. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that would be mm-hmm. the uh, the I lie around of of uh, uh, of this yes. of this show definitely. Ringo's song, uh, the second song from, from the four-song solo set, was the hardest one for me. I felt like everyone subconsciously was pressuring me to pick Photograph. Right. Uh, um, but y- you know what? You're not going to make me pick Photograph. I'm going with Goodnight Vienna. I feel like oh. that's that's going to be a more fun song for Ringo to do after My Sweet Lord to get the crowd going a bit. Because all of these solo songs are all a bit ballady and a bit slower compared to what's Come, but come before. So, Ring, mm-hmm. so Ringo's gonna get, gonna be the one to have fun. This is gonna be a, a, an extended good night, Vienna. Though it's really gonna be all over the place, and it's gonna be Ringo having a lot of fun. It's gonna be his centerpiece for the show. Does this uh, will this feature John John on piano, maybe having a good time? A la, you know, I'm down from Shay uh, doing I'm down. You know, going crazy like he did. <laughs> 
I want this to be on par with the While My Guitar Gently Weeps from the concert for George. I want I want ah. Jeff Lynne there. I want Prince there. I, w- <laughs> I want that bald guy from the start of the Living in the Material World documentary who cries, who's on congas all the time. I always forget mm. his name. Oh, what's his name? Oh. Cooper? <laughs> Some, oh, I'm gonna so to... Ray, Ray, Ray Cooper? Ray Cooper. Tom- Thank you very much. Uh, we'll have Ray Cooper on congas. Everything, everyone's gonna, gonna gonna be there. It's gonna be a right laugh. It might not even be sung well, and that doesn't matter. And it's not even gonna be edited in a Wings Over America style. This is gonna come out quite quickly after to capitalize on the on the live show, obviously. All right. Then we're gonna have maybe amazed. Uh, Paul's oh. gonna Paul's gonna give it give it us again, despite giving it us. In Wings Over America, but I think that's also going to be partly the reason that influences him to choose that one. There was part of me thinking you it, know, was, it was going to be silly love songs. I would love to hear George Harrison's version of that guitar solo for Maybe I'm Amazed. I think that's a good good pick. Or My Love, George's version of the My Love guitar solo as well would have been particularly interesting mm-hmm. as well. But Lennon is not going to be happy with Paul having the <laughs> piano spotlight. No mm-hmm. prizes for guessing this one. If you did guess this song out there, email me at I don't give a shit at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the song John's going to do is Imagine. Imagine. Yeah. Y- Yoko's going to sit next to him and knit. <laughs> but uh, it's... She won't shoot him up with some heroin? Well, I'm actually thinking that this is actually going to be a very low-key performance of Imagine. It's going to be very much in the opposite of what John's been doing this show, which is going to be him being very brash and up there and upfront and jokey. This is going to be his one kind of little solemn moment, especially before coming back on for the second encore. Okay. There's not really going to be much of a break here. It's just going to be all the rest of the guys like kind of extraneous musicians and stuff and crap leaving the stage so it's more like a scene change in a play more than more than anything else maybe a minute mm. a minute tops or maybe even just cut to commercial break here if if necessary then they're going to come back on with what is essentially the first of the encores and it's going to be mm-hmm. very similar to what you did man which is coming back on with sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band into with mm-hmm. a little help from my friends all right I was considering this opening the whole gig. Like it, it is that iconic, despite not really being anyone's favorite Beatles song. If you know what I mean, right? But, mm-hmm. but, just, but just that, boom, boom, bam, it'd be incomprehensibly cool. Yeah, and it's also a great way to get Ringo there. Yes, and it's it's it it, it it's a non-forced way as well. It's a it's a very natural mm-hmm. way to give him another another little spotlight. Then mm-hmm. we're going to crank it up with Revolution. Possibly cool. even with hints of Revolution Take 20, with a bit of Revolution 9 being mixed in there live. John, you know, trolling the audience slightly. Perhaps even the uh, the people at HBO were, were unaware that John had a tape of Revolution 9 on stage with him. <laughs> maybe, even the, maybe even the song opens with Revolution 9 and just goes straight into normal Revolution. Maybe that's the more palatable way to get that little idea. On yeah, the, on, you know, now that, you, now that you mention it, I kind of like the idea of 
maybe changing it up, kind of like how they did with uh, something on the concert for George. You know, Paul was just out there with the ukulele. I kind of like the idea of this now thinking about it, you know, starting with Revolution 1, you know, as, you know, as, you know, just acoustic guitars and then, you know, maybe a minute or a minute and a half into the song, then getting out, you know, the electric guitars and then just really wailing on, on Revolution. I think that might be kind of interesting as well. Oh, and then we'll have honey pie and wild honey pie as well. <laughs> of course. Thrown in the mix, thrown in the mix. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the band would be more than happy now if I just put in a medley of honey pie, Maxwell Silver Hammer, and Obladi Oblada. Oh, uh, they yeah. <laughs> I, I probably should have mentioned that that was an anti-stipulation. Like, those three songs were just not going to be included. I think that was the same for you, whether you vocalised it or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite obvious. And then Paul's going to end the, the first encore with the song to end all Beatles gigs, which is Hey Jude, again. Mm-hmm. You know, no no prizes for guessing that one. There's a, uh, a bit of unrest in the crowd now. There's been no announcements. No one said that the Beatles have left or anything. The, the lights right. have been dimmed for, say, 10, 12 minutes now. Mm-hmm. crowd is still going crazy. Yeah. <sighs> you know, pe- the police right. are trying to keep them away from the stage. I don't know why the band, the police, are there, but they're they the security for the night. <laughs> they're security. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I probably should have mentioned this before, but uh, for, for this show, they uh, they were just wearing whatever they wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. They were just dressed in their in their own unique ways. John, just however, Ringo, casuals. George might have a, right. a, a bit of an Indian thing going. Maybe Paul would be in a in a sweater vest. But that, mm. but that would be as smart as he'd be allowed to go. Then they come on stage. George is hating it. He feels like Pete Townsend in the orchestra. <laughs> he doesn't want to be doing it, but he's dressed in the Ed Sullivan black suits. Mm-hmm. Or possibly even in like the leather stuff, in the leather stuff from Hamburg. Just, mm. to, just to be a real uh, little nod for the fans there. But they're going to come mm-hmm. on to not quite a medley but it could be in the sense that there's it's a medley more in the venus and mars kind of way just where a song it will end it's the whole song but it kind of flows into the next one it might be one continuous performance in that way but nothing's particularly cut short john is Mm. going to be the one to open this one it's his rock and roll gig we're going to open with rock and roll music from beatles for Mm. sale Mm -hmm. we're going to go into roll over beethoven from meet the beatles then Long Tall Sally from the, from the Long Tall Sally EP. Boys from Please Please mm-hmm. Me. Ringer's going to have one of the very last songs. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, 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 let's give him Boys. Then John's going to have another song. He's going to do a cover of Carl Perkins' Blue Suede Shoes. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that would be something so simple and robust for him to be having fun with. They are clearly drunk at this point now, though. They are, they are clearly <laughs> fucked up. And they're not playing particularly well. There's a, definitely a few bum notes from John uh, in his Blue Suede Shoes solo. Definitely. Paul is now on piano. Bass has fallen to someone who's not even in the Beatles anymore. Like mm-hmm. It's getting quite chaotic. All the stagehands are now rushing the stage. It's getting very all you need is love. <laughs> Mick Jagger's now on stage. Everyone's there. Darth Vader, <laughs> Jesus... Richard Nixon, <laughs> Superman, everyone's there. It's it's incredible. Then they all rush off, rush off the stage because 
Paul mm-hmm. is going to step up solo to the spotlight and just to give us a little palate cleanser before the final number he's going to uh-huh. do yesterday and John's seething at this point John's absolutely seething like I feel like they must have buried some sort of hatchet here but John's definitely not okay with them ending with yesterday and he'd be like right I, we're fucking ending with my mm-hmm. fucking songs here lads mm, okay and they end with twist and shout and it ends with the ah uh, but the credits are already playing over twist and shout the text credits are mm-hmm. are already scrolling and it'll go bam 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 and then HBO logo cut straight to commercial you leave them wanting more and there we are at the end of the Wembley show in 1981 Ooh. yeah like you say biggest biggest show in the world but let's let's have a little compare and contrast there um mine's obviously a little more all over the place i like like i say i liked how yours was in order it, it's almost like a little education for people right. who might not have already been exposed to the beatles like if their first exposure to the beatles was my show and then they went back through all the albums they might have a a different expectation of what mm-hmm. they are as a band it's not exactly the most comprehensive uh, list of Beatles songs, but it's got to be a rock show for John, and I think I think that's what's important. I, I, I agree 100% with that. It, it's definitely got to be more rock than anything. However, you know, in order to, to have Paul involved, you know, you're going to have to have your couple acoustic guitars and uh, piano songs in there. So I, I like the idea of doing a few solo numbers like you had, and I, I did think about it, but... I, if they were to do that, I could see them, you know, bringing more people on the stage um, so they don't necessarily have to learn every single song. Maybe John will take a break during uh, My Sweet Lord or George will take a break during uh, Silly Love Songs or whatever song, you know, that uh, Paul will do from his solo career. But I also see it as if they did do some solo stuff, it would be songs that they're familiar with, you know. Like a good night, Vienna, like you said, since John played on that, I think he would be more than happy to do that song. Or, you know, like a It Don't Come Easy or Photograph because George played on those songs, you know. So I think it would be some songs that would be more familiar to them rather than, you know, songs that they didn't play on. So, um, but I, I like the idea of doing a couple solo songs. It's just I don't think, you know, John would go for it. I was thinking of I'm the Greatest as well. I was really tempted mm-hmm. to uh, to go with that one. Absolutely. I think the audience would love that one as well. Everyone's got a soft spot for Ringo. Anyone who who doesn't, I don't know what drugs they're on. <laughs> or the No No song would have been fun that night too, because you know, no, all no, songs no, it wouldn't. Doing. No, 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 it wouldn't. Because <laughs> you know, all three of them are doing what he's singing about, so I'm sure they would all get a chuckle. <laughs> I'm upset I didn't get to fit Helter Skelter in. I I probably could have maybe replaced Get Back, um, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Maybe even skipped Blackbird altogether and just kept it at that full pace. But I feel like Paul would definitely be, as you say, be like, oh, guys, you know, we've got to break it up a little bit. You know, people are going to get tired. Mm -hmm. And they've got to think about them as well. They they probably... I don't think this is going to be the best, technically the best Beatles performance of all time. I think that's safe to say. Right. yeah, two, I think two, weeks, two weeks rehearsal, even that, maybe a couple of days rehearsal. 
Yeah, I think it's mid-tour when they finally find their strive. I think you're right. I think these first, you know, the one in New York and one in London, I think they're okay. Um, I think they're out, they're trying to find their vocals. Um, you know, they're they're trying to find the, the chemistry uh, that they once had. And um, I think it's really, you know, maybe, you know, first half of 82, um, maybe on the second uh, leg of the tour where they really, you know, come into stride on, 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 this, uh, on this set list for sure. I think... In both of our ones, if there was a tour after, it's probably not completely planned with this. It's, it's going to be catapulted off the success of these two shows. Mm-hmm. You don't want to book, book the whole tour in case it all goes tits up. You never know. But you could even make the case that if this did spark a tour, then that tour also would probably have another album as, as well. Maybe not straight away, but something like... The Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl many, many years later. That would be oh, you know, yeah. a comparison. I can definitely see a, a live album for sure. Yeah, if that's what you mean. I mean, I could also definitely see, you know, John and Paul actually sitting down and and, and thinking of some songs, you know, during this tour if it if it did happen, uh, and maybe coming out with a maybe an EP or two. But I, I definitely think they'd be scared shitless to put something out because the pressure of it living up to that original canon would be just too great. I mean, yeah, I just think be really skeptical about uh, putting out new material you are right if a, a new song was going to come from this it probably would be free as a bird it, it, it would just be something that john would pluck from his back pocket like you say but what those new Beatles songs might be if they did sit down and, and, and actually pen something that is that is another episode for a future day that is something that i can't even begin to process now that is <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely impossible to determine I think so. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think we've pretty much covered that. There, we've covered the the, the, mm-hmm. the setup, the show itself, a, a few things that might happen during, and this is going to be success after success. There's there's going to be a book, and there's going to be so much merchandise surrounding this, and there are going to be YouTube clips today that are going to be in the tens of millions, like like the um, the rooftop footage. It's going to go down as one of the greatest comebacks ever. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think, and history rarely works this way, but I'd like to think that it does give the satisfying conclusion to, to the Beatles story that we've all wanted. Because the risk of stuff like this, Tom, I think, is that, like, you know, when I've mentioned before, like, if you make Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway cool, then, mm-hmm. you don't, then you don't get banned on the run. You know, do you want to right. mess with history in that way? And part of the allure of the Beatles is the fact that they, they did leave us wanting more. Of course. It's yeah. not it, it's not like John died in 1970. There was 10 years of them doing stuff solo and then he died on the eve of a comeback and narratively mm. you can never you know it it sounds morbid but if you were a, a an impassioned totally distant uh, screenwriter then that's the that's the best story you'd want to kind of cement that legacy. Um, mm-hmm. This would have to be this would have to be reviewed so well. It would have to be up there with Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper and A Hard Day's Night. You know, it would become one of their classic all-time releases. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think it's really important that everybody is happy uh, for this for this event. So the stipulations, I, I think, are really important. That you know, everybody gets what they want. Everybody's comfortable. They're going to put their hearts into this. They're going to, you know, do whatever it takes to 
make the audience happy. They're going to give them that, you know, that closure that, uh, you know, they didn't get when, you know, when uh, April 10th happened, when Paul announced the breakup of the Beatles. You know, this is finally going to give them, the fans, something to, you know, say goodbye or send them off with and say, hey, look, this is, you know, this is it for now. So hopefully, you know, you're happy with this. And, you know, we gave it our all and thank you very much. And, uh, you know. I hope we passed the audition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, is that, that it, he would have to say that, wouldn't he? And then the crowd yeah. would all would all do that sycophantic laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God, I, I mean, I want to find an, an interview with that person. Like we all we all know John was funny, but that it's not that funny. Calm down. Mm. And uh, Alan Klein is nowhere to be found for this show. That is for sure. Alan Klein is nowhere to be found at all. Oh, well, and hopefully this will uh, give them enough money to possibly buy back their song rights as well. Ah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just hope that a certain Mark David Chapman is not in the audience. Mm. Oh, oh god oh no so many things could go wrong so many things could go wrong there oh, are so man, you there, put some bad thoughts in my head <laughs> there are so many alternative versions of this story as well where there was set up set up like the book the dates were arranged t-shirts were mm-hmm. printed logos have been put on badges and then it still doesn't happen oh Ugh. that's the worst outcome the tease you know the tooting mm-hmm. snort of the beatles 81 reunion Oh, that would leave such a, a bad taste in everyone's mouth and that would lead to Pipes of Peace being even less well-received, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John John appears on So Bad and George has a, has a little cameo on Sweetest Little Show with the slide guitar. It, it'd, be, it'd be a different album. Mm, yeah, it definitely would be. Definitely would be. I mean, I can see, uh, you know, John and, and Paul showing up on each other's albums after this, you know, from time to time. You know, maybe a little backing track here. Nah, nah, Yoko doesn't allow it. She barely allows this show to happen. Well, but- here's the deal. After this tour, John and Yoko, they get divorced. Oh, <laughs> this is just getting ridiculous now, Tom. This is just, <laughs> this is, this is just fan service. You're just writing your own story now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think John has is having too much fun with Paul nowadays, and uh, and ring uh, you know Yoko's in the background getting getting a li- a bit peeved, and uh, John finally grows a backbone and says, you know what, I've had it with you, I'm out of here. George quits smoking. <laughs> ah, yeah, George, yeah, George sells the mansion, he gets out of there, moves to L.A. full time. I like it. Cloud Nine has more than just one good song on it. Every, everything changes. Everything changes. <laughs> and you know, perhaps even. Paul doesn't do the soundtrack to Spies Like Us. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe ah. that, maybe that'd be the best thing that would come out of this gig. <laughs> well, we differ on that, my friend. <laughs> oh, well, dude, there was an episode, Press to Play Part Two, coming out with Ken Michaels, where he mentions how Press is his second favorite Paul McCartney album. So, I know. Yeah, I, yep. I, 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 nothing shocks me anymore. Nothing shocks me. <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's not really a point to end this on. It's more just a amusing and a hypothetical conversation, a little back and forth mm-hmm. between two huge Beatles fans. I think we've made all made all of our points. Um, Tom, I think so. Have, have you got anything coming up that uh, that you can point us toward? Uh, what's the next couple of episodes of Two Legs and Talk More Talk? Well, thank you. Yeah, um, you know, Two Legs is, is is going full full steam ahead now with the addition of my friend Andy Nichols. 
and uh, he's been doing a wonderful job. We've got you know authors lined up from here to Timbuktu. We've we've got a lot of guests coming up, a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some uh, Christmas theme songs here soon. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, new books that are coming out soon. Talk more talk. You know, again, we're going to be talking about our um, uh, releases of the year. We're going to have like a little holiday gift uh, uh, show coming up. The, the Queen Kiddum Tool and I, we're going to be appearing on a, another Beatles-centric podcast called uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, where we're going to be talking about the wonderful life of Mr. Alan Klein, which should be a very uh, interesting show. There's another Beatles podcast I've got to listen to, Tom. Yeah, yeah. For fuck's sake, man. I don't have, I don't have the time. I just don't. I know. It's, it's crazy with all the shows that have been coming out the last two years. Yeah. Um, and I will be making my first appearance at the Fest for Beatles fans next March. Yeah, uh, in New Jersey, where you know, two legs will probably do a panel, and we'll uh, talk more talk. We'll probably do a panel. So it's a uh, lot, lot of, lot of stuff coming up. Oh, talk more talk in Jersey. This guy. Hey, oh, forget about. Forget about it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of anyone in the in the beat world called Christopher. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, that knowledge is like a natural fucking canopy. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot going on, and uh, just, you know, got to find the time to get all this stuff done. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, sparing some time to do this episode with me today, man. I know I know, we've had this idea ruminating for a while, and, you know, life is right? just... It, it, it just gets so hard sometimes just to get two guys who have got fucking full-time jobs to spend an hour talking about some utter beetle nonsense, and I always cherish moments like this, you know. Us, us smaller pods got to got, got look after each other. Yes, yes, that's true, and uh, you know maybe we'll come up with a crazy idea for uh, for two legs to have you back on again. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, put our uh, brains back together and see what we can come up with. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that, bro. I definitely am indeed. Folks, if you've got your own ideas for what you want, the Beatles 1981 or maybe 1982, if you want to get really cheeky about it, Beatles reunion set list, then drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Maybe even drop Tom a letter for, for, for his podcast as well. I'm sure I can leave a link down below for contact info there as well. But yeah, dude, this has been our discussion of the Beatles 1981 reunion. It didn't happen. I wish it did, but this conversation here today has been the next best thing, so... Thank you so much for coming on, bro. Thank you very much for having me.